You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Bring your knee towards your belly and float your foot to step between your hands. For some, this is an innocuous cue they've heard so many times that it just triggers an automatic movement, and for others, you might as well be asking them to levitate. As yoga teachers, we want more than anything to offer an empowering experience for our students. But one challenge that confounds a lot of instructors is the cue of moving one foot forward from downward facing dog into a lunge or a warrior position. If it comes easily to you, then helping your students who struggle with this very common movement might feel daunting. And I've also heard from yoga teachers who struggle with it themselves and have shared that it brings up some issues of worthiness and ability as a teacher. So while I am going to share in this episode how to teach your students to float their foot forward between their hands, I do think it's important to acknowledge from the beginning that this is an optional skill to develop. Yoga is a process of inquiry that uses the body as a vehicle for accessing the mind. So achieving or collecting skills is a byproduct, and sometimes it can also be a distraction. Let's engage in this inquiry today with the understanding that all bodies are good bodies, and there are many times when an alternative to this movement is the appropriate response. So what's actually happening in this transition from downward facing dog to lunge or warrior, and why is it so challenging? In order to understand how best to help your students, we really need to understand why this is such a challenge. When you step one foot forward from downward facing dog to lunge, two hands and one foot are connected to the floor. This limits your options for movement. In order to bring the other foot forward between your hands, you need to bear a great deal of weight on your upper body as you flex your spine, hip, and knee against gravity. Your shoulders need to generate force to push your hands into the ground, which spreads your shoulder blades apart and rounds your back. As your knee pulls in towards your belly, you need both strength and mobility in your hips, as well as the capacity and the body awareness to round your lower back in order to make room for your leg to clear the floor. So there are many different reasons that a person might struggle with this movement. They might be lacking upper body strength to push away from the floor. They might lack hip strength to lift their knee high enough. They might lack the range of motion to close the front of the hip joint. They might lack the body awareness to feel where everything is in space in order to make this happen. And these limitations might be combined with some body proportions, such as shorter arms, longer legs, or adipose tissue in the abdomen. All this is to say that just like all the shapes we make with our bodies, The transition from downward facing dog into lunge is going to be easier for some people than for others. Now that we've briefly touched on the biomechanical requirements and some of the common challenges, let's talk cues. The first thing we want our students to do is access as much of the strength that they already have as possible. So my first go-to cue is going to be about using the stability of the floor to better engage the core muscles needed to make this movement happen. I like to say something like, press your hands into the floor and use that force, that strength, to spread your shoulder blades apart. Keep pressing down through your hands 
as you start to draw your knee towards your torso. Lift your knee as high as possible, rounding your back towards the ceiling before you start to shift forward into plank. Push down through your hands the entire time as you start to lean forward, bringing your knee with you. Take your gaze down towards your knee to help you cement that action of rounding your back. You need your hands pressing into the ground the most at the very last second, so don't lose that. Keep pushing the entire time as you bring your foot forward. And just as you get to the end, see if you have another inch to push. Okay, so that is generally how I would cue. Okay, so that is basically how I would cue the transition from downward facing dog into lunge if I were working with people who it's a big challenge for. The big thing I want you to notice is how much I emphasized pushing hands into the ground. A lot of times as yoga teachers, we say something once and then we're actually a little afraid of repeating ourselves, like we think it's going to be condescending or boring. But the truth is, it's really hard for people to listen to our instructions while they move and actually integrate them. So repetition is really, really helpful, especially when there's something super important. The tendency when you give a lot of different cues is for your students to cycle through them. So if I were to just cue pressing into the floor at first, and then cue drawing the knee up and rounding the spine, chances are really good that the students are going to lose the pressing into the floor as soon as they start to focus on something else. So if you have a particular teaching point or cue that is really important to their success, it is worth your while to repeat that cue several times and reinforce it. Another thing I like to do is say, keep that and then add another cue. Or even, if you can keep that and add this other thing, then do so. But if you lose the first cue, stick with that. Because I like to build my poses progressively, I like to build my cues progressively, where the first thing I say is the most important. And I'm watching my students, so if they don't get that first cue, we don't move on. I find a different way to say it. If they still don't get it, I might pull them out of the pose we're doing and demonstrate or give them a different, easier way to access what I'm asking them to do. As you know, there's no one-size-fits-all cue for any yoga pose that will work for all bodies. So your approach is going to require adjusting based on your actual students and what you see and learn from them. And as I said earlier, not all movements are accessible, possible, or beneficial for all bodies. So keep in mind that there are alternative options and different paths to navigating the yoga flow, especially this stepping forward from downward facing dog to lunge. As yoga teachers, the last thing we want to do is to discourage or shame our students. If you have a student who continues to struggle with this movement after all your usual cues and demos have failed please let them know that this is not a prerequisite for their practice. And if many of your students are struggling with this transition, I hope that you'll use alternatives as you teach while also incorporating some of the strengthening exercises that I'll share a bit later. That way your students will be working towards the transition without even realizing it. And after a few months of the strengthening exercises, you can try the transition again and notice how many of your students surprise themselves by being able to step forward for the first time. If you notice that many or most of your students are not able to step their foot forward between their hands, 
then I hope that you'll use a few of these modifications that I'm about to share with you and allow the students who are able to do it, they'll just do it on their own. The first alternative option is to step your foot outside your hand instead of in between your hands. Many students who don't have the ability to step between their hands can step to the outside of the same side hand. From there, the hand can be moved and the foot position can be adjusted. And this is a really great one to cue when you do have students in the room who can step in between because they'll kind of just make that choice on their own. Again, just to be clear, cue the more accessible version and let people who can do harder things do harder things if they want to. The next alternative is to place hands on blocks before stepping forward. Having just those few extra inches from the blocks can give your students who are pretty close to being able to step forward the extra space that they need to do so. The third alternative is to step back into a lunge instead of stepping forward. And I use this one a lot when I'm teaching mixed level or mixed ability classes. The basic gist is that from downward facing dog, you would bend your knees and walk your feet towards your hands into a forward fold. And then from forward fold, lift one leg and step it back into lunge. It's super simple and it really works so, so well with all kinds of students, whether your students don't have the strength, whether they're in bigger bodies, whether they don't have the body awareness, whatever's going on, maybe they're new to yoga and this is just weird and different. It's so much easier to step back than to step forward. The fourth and final alternative transition that I want to share with you today is to come to a high kneeling position. From downward facing dog, you'd have your students drop both knees to the floor, lift their torso up to kneeling with hips away from heels. This is the same start position as you would use for gate pose. So it's a high kneeling position. And from the high kneeling position, they can bring one foot forward into lunge. I would use this transition for students who are newer to yoga and you're just trying to simplify things for them, or if the position of kneeling just works better for your flow. So if you're using modifications, there's an indication of some lack of strength and or lack of body awareness in your students, perhaps. And with that comes the potential for creating change. So in addition to the alternative ways of getting into lunge from downward facing dog, I also recommend incorporating some strength building movements. I'm gonna share with you six strength building movements that are somewhat ordered from most basic to most advanced. Although the actual difficulty level is still gonna vary person by person. The first one is one of my very favorite strengthening and body awareness exercises of all time. They're called scapular push-ups. You start these from your hands and knees, spread your shoulder blades apart by pressing into the floor so that you round the upper back. Then reverse the motion by bringing shoulder blades towards each other as you broaden across the collarbones. The idea here is to isolate the movement of the shoulder blades, improving body awareness, strength, and control all at the same time. Once students can do these smoothly on hands and knees, they can progress to the same movement in plank. However, you are gonna want to watch for compensation patterns. It's very difficult if you're not used to doing it to isolate the shoulder blades. So you're gonna see the low back moving a lot as they do this. And so that's one of the big things you're teaching here is to separate the movement of the 
scapula from the movement of the low back. The next exercise also begins on hands and knees. These are called cat hovers. Invite your students to round into cat position and then coach them to press hands and knees into the floor until they feel a strong activation in their abdominal region. For extra fire, they can isometrically pull feet towards hands and hands towards feet. After a few rounds of this, cue your students to lift their knees barely off the ground while continuing to push down through hands and then also now through the feet. For all of these exercises, my focus is primarily on the feeling of it, learning to feel action and activation in the core specifically. So let your students know that that's what they're looking for. They're not looking to create a shape, they're looking to create a feeling. The third exercise also begins on hands and knees. These are called tiger tails. Invite your students to reach one leg back behind them and then draw that knee in towards their chest as they round up towards cat. This is very similar to what they'll be doing from downward facing dog as they step forward, but in a simpler position where they feel more stable. Once your students can really feel that activation in the first three exercises, then it's time that you can introduce the second set of three. But here's the thing, some people will think that the first three exercises are too easy because they're not feeling an activation there. And that's actually a sign that they're not doing them correctly because anyone can feel an activation if they do those poses correctly. The fourth exercise, plank waves, begin in downward facing dog. Have your students lift their heels up towards the sky until their low backs start to round. And as their low backs move into this rounding, this flexion, they'll feel some engagement in the abdominal area. Cue them to notice that and allow the continued rounding in the low back to push them forward towards a plank and then reverse the motion from plank. They'll return to downward facing dog, initiating the engagement in the core, this time by pushing their hands into the floor. Back and forth, they'll create this waving motion from downward facing dog to plank and back again, and it's really lovely. Or I should say it's really lovely when you're ready for it. So if you've done enough preparation preparation work and you've built up the strength and the body awareness, then these feel really, really good. The next stage is to bring your knee into it. Same thing, but from downward facing dog, the knee pulls in towards the belly as they wave forward into plank, hold for a moment, see if they can lift the knee a little higher to continue building strength, and then return to downward facing dog. Or if they have the strength for it, they can lift that leg into three-legged dog before drawing knee to chest. And the final strength building exercise is a little bit unusual. In order to help your students develop the body awareness necessary for this skill, it can help to change their orientation to gravity. So these are called upside down knee hovers. I totally made that up, but you can, you can use that if you like. Have them start on their backs with one knee pulled into chest. Cue them to press their low backs into the floor and maintain that action the entire time. So you might need to repeat that or ask them to check with their low backs. Then invite them to release their hands from their knee without letting their knee move away from their torso. Then they can lift their head, neck, and shoulders away from the floor by using the action of the low back, pressing into the floor to generate that power. 
So that's a great exercise because of the feedback, the proprioceptive feedback from the floor is going to give them a new set of information about how their body moves and works. So between the cues I shared with you in the beginning, the alternative methods of stepping into lunge that I shared with you next, and the strengthening exercises that I just shared with you, you should have quite a big toolbox to help your students with this movement now. When we notice a movement like this, where a lot of people are struggling, to me, it's an opportunity to see where there are gaps in strength and ways that our students aren't moving well. So instead of thinking this as a challenge to be overcome or as a chore, I see it as an opportunity to better serve your students. To me, the strengthening exercises that I shared towards the end are the most important part of this episode. So I hope you're inspired to include some of them in your classes if your students struggle with stepping forward, which some of your students probably are if you're listening to this, either they are or you are. This episode was inspired by a post on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. And if you're not yet a member, I hope you'll join and be part of the growing community of over 6,000 yoga teachers at the time of this recording. Go to teachingyoga.net slash join to submit a request. And one of the questions that I ask prospective members is whether or not they've left a review for the podcast. It's totally not a requirement. I'll let you in either way. But if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and you want to be able to answer yes, then you could take a few minutes right now to go over to iTunes or your podcast app and leave me a quick review because hearing from listeners keeps me inspired to continue creating these episodes week after week. And I would love to hear from you. If you want to share some love, I will receive it. Heck, if you have constructive criticism, I'll take that too. The human body is infinitely and delightfully complex, so the process of learning how to guide movement is never-ending. I want to thank you for your curiosity and for caring enough to continue learning. Tune in again next week for an episode with Michelle Marshaldon. Marshaldon? Marshaldon. Yeah, Michelle Marshaldon, all about yoga class themes. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>